0: Hi, and welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum blog, where we like talking about how to make marriage into a passionate adventure. And I'm here with my daughter, Rebecca. Hello. And we are going to talk about something which there is no way to do this without getting a lot of flack. No, and, there's no way. And I'm honestly not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. But I want to have a really serious conversation today about how parents are approaching talking to their kids about the expectations around dating and marriage. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen some things that really worry me. um, And there's an increasing trend, especially of Christian women who aren't getting married. And I'm just worried that some parents are setting their kids up for big disappointment later without realizing it.
1: Exactly. And we want to obviously clarify that when we're saying Christian women who aren't getting married, we aren't talking about women who say, I don't want to get married and then don't get married. Right. We're saying women who really, really want, really want to get married, but then they find themselves, you know, in their late thirties and they're, they're having a really hard time finding someone and they just, they're still unmarried. And it's just really difficult. Like, because we really feel for them. We get comments from them all the time.
0: Yeah. And I I firmly believe that marriage is not necessary for happiness. And in fact, I firmly believe that the Bible actually tells us that uh, a single life um, of ministry is in many ways preferred than marriage. So this is not one of those things where I want people to feel badly. And I'm not trying to say that your life isn't complete if you're not married. Um, Exactly. But I do think that there's a lot of people who do want to get married And And we just get
1: sad when we see people who want this so badly and who don't seem to be able to get it or have done things in their past that make it
0: less likely that they will get Mm -hmm. it. And it's just it's just sad. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we've we've spoken a lot on the blog before about how young women and young men um, can can just put themselves out there. And the necessity of putting yourself out there if you want to get married. I'm not a big believer in this. God has someone for you and he will bring that person to you at the right time. Um, And we'll probably get to that in a minute later in the conversation. But I really think that if you want to get married, you need to get out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you need to look. But what I'm finding is that a lot of parents are raising their kids with the idea that relationship is something which you tack on at the end.
1: Yes. Or if you try to date or if you're interested in dating, you're more shallow or you're less focused or you're almost more flighty than maybe the other kids who are solely focused on school or career or the like.
0: Yeah, because I I, and I know so many parents who say that... uh... Um, you know, my my little girl, you're so awesome. Don't ever, you know, let boys pay attention to you. Boys are icky. You just work on yourself right now and I don't want to see you bringing home a boy. Um, and, and they'll say that to girls while they're in their undergrad or their early 20s. Um, and, and, you know, as if, as if marriage is somehow a bad thing thing even though they fully want their kids to be married but they see it as something which is going to happen later Mm -hmm. and this is where i think there's a disconnect happening
1: also i think when you look at how parents treat their older high school kids as well right i saw this a lot with even my friends with a lot of the parents who are heavily into the no dating culture where the older kids were kind of, quote unquote, like protected from dating. If yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And this is, again, this is coming from someone who never dated in high school. Right. I chose not to date in high school. I was asked that on dates a couple of times, but I always said no because I chose not to.
0: Right. And your sister, same thing. So neither of you Sister, dated in high yeah. School.
1: Neither of us dated in high school. But I had friends where their parents were scared of them dating and would make it very clear that they would be disappointed in them if they were dating. Um, and that kind of mentality not because they were worried they were going to have sex but simply because they were worried they were going to date.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think we have these two extremes you know you have you have the absolutely no dating because courtship is the way we're going to go and God is going to bring the right person into your life uh, at the right time who's going to be perfect for you and so there's no need for you to get out there. And then you have the
1: other side that's saying no dating for you because you're meant for more than just being part of the dating scene because you're going to become a doctor or get your education, or you're going to do all these big things. And so don't waste your time on dating in your early
0: 20s. Right, like go out and see the world and have lots of experiences and things like that. Exactly. Okay, now here's where we're going to get controversial. And again, I know that I'll get flack for this. But let's just do let's just do the numbers game here. Okay. (laughs) There are certain times in your life where you're more likely to be surrounded by a large group of People that you could potentially marry, Mm -hmm. and one of those times tends to be in your college university years, because you're surrounded by people of your age. Very few are already married. Very few are already married. Um, They tend to have similar interests because they're at the same school as you or wherever you may be, Um, and. And so this is a good group to marry. (laughs) And if you are cutting yourself off from that and not seeing them as potential mates, it can be very difficult to ever be in a group like that again. I'm not saying you can't get married. And there's some wonderful stories on the blog. Whenever I, I write about finding a spouse, people will say, I thought I was going to be single forever. And then God brought someone into my life when I was 28 or when I was 34.
1: Well, I mean, we even know couples where one person got married for the first time in their fifties and it's everything they ever could have dreamed of. And they're just so
0: thrilled. Like it definitely happens. Right. But even if you're just doing a numbers game, okay, if you're 21 and unmarried, your chances of marriage are much higher than if you're 28 and unmarried. Because a lot of really great people get snapped up quickly. Um, They just do. And this is, I I know this is a terrible thing to say, because I'm not saying that um, there aren't good people around when you're in your in your 30s, or that if you're in your 30s, and you're not married, you weren't a great person. No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you are looking to date, and you are emotionally healthy, totally sold out for Jesus, relatively interested in working and motivated to find a job, you're going to be very, very, very attractive to a whole lot of people. And it's very likely that you'll find someone who wants to marry you when you're young.
1: Exactly. And so if you are someone who really wants to end up with someone who is, you know, a hard worker, who is, you know, a kind person who's really, really on fire for Jesus, a lot of those people kind of pair off in their early 20s.
0: Yeah. And so when you, uh, parents, and I I know my peers, I know many of them are telling their kids, don't date. You've got so much life ahead of you. That works in the secular world. It doesn't work in the Christian world quite as well. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of Christians get married quite young. And so if you're saying you don't need to think about marriage till you're 26, 27, 28. Well, by the time you're 26, 27, 28, a lot of people are married.
1: And we're not saying that it's wrong to get married later. Or anything we're really really not it's more just about why would you try to take away the easiest time to get married from your kids like it almost feels like in a lot of these situations the parents are putting up all these unnecessary hurdles for their kids to jump through in order to find a, a good person to marry because I just do worry that sometimes people are missing out on the opportunities Simply because they have this
0: grandiose idea of what it's like to be a young professional in your twenties. And as you and I were talking today, I went overboard a little bit the opposite (laughs) way. I think I think Katie would say I went way more overboard than you would say that I went. Probably (laughs) because I think you and Katie may not have this exact same view of what I was like when you guys were teenagers. I do think that I went overboard trying to play matchmaker a little bit um, and, and got way too involved in your lives, but. You know, one of the things that I did do early was I said to you guys, look, you guys are both weird. You know, you're going to need a weird person. And so if you ever find a weird person, latch on to them. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I remember having those specific conversations where you were telling us like, you know, you guys are just a little bit different in your experiences and what you want from life. and, And you would tell me especially because I am the weirder of the two.
0: Yes, yes Um, you are. Extremely, much, (laughs)
1: much, much more so. Uh, You know, but you always just told me that I was going to need to find someone who wasn't just a good person, but who also understood me, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm hard to kind of get with a lot of the time because, yeah, I'm just a bit different. And so there was always that conversation about just having an openness to when those people come along. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, you managed to do that in a way where, okay, you were quite overbearing at times. Like I remember being 16 and you <laughs> literally talking to moms of sons who were like a year or two older than me in the quizzing program, <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> trying to match make me with their sons. And I, I I, think because of my personality, I just thought it was hilarious. I didn't think it was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but I do just remember having that mindset in our family where it you... You look for opportunities and you're ready when they come.
0: Yeah. And that's I I never tried. I never told you guys that you had to get married. young. no, that was never it. I I just said I just wanted you guys when you were in a mixed group. Yeah, to be looking, Okay, is this a guy who's a quality guy? Mm -hmm. Because you never know where they're going to show up. I might have made you guys concentrate far too much on finding a husband, although it seemed to work out pretty well for both of you. Well, the reality (laughs)
1: is we were not
0: boy crazy teenagers. That's what's so strange
1: about it. Like when you look at how we talked about marriage so openly and how important it was to marry a good person and to like kind of snap up a good person when you see him come along. We were not boy crazy teenagers. Neither, again, neither of us dated. We definitely had people that we liked and people we were talking to, but We didn't just date from guy to guy to guy trying to find the right one. We just really did have this mentality in our family where we believed in our hearts that we were someone special. And that the minute someone special came along who matched our type of specialness, Mm -hmm. we needed to just kind of get going. Because that was rare. And it was really beautiful. And it was something that we would treasure forever. And it was one of our highest priorities to have a family someday. And... For me, it didn't matter about the education or the job as much if I didn't have, you know, people around me to have a community with. And that for me is why I wanted to get married.
0: Yeah. And, and again, I never made it sound like you guys had to get married. No. Or that your life would not be complete if you weren't married. And I was always very clear that we don't know what God has for you. Exactly. But, but if this is something that's important to you, which it was, then make sure that you're in a position where it's more likely to happen. Yeah, I remember growing up, we would talk a lot about how not everyone gets
1: married. We always had people in our life who weren't married too, you know, whether they had never been married before or they were divorced or the like, even my Nana.
0: Yeah, you had a great example with my mother who was divorced very young, but has an extremely busy, impactful life. Well, exactly. (laughs) A very, very full life. And I even
1: always knew, and I remember thinking this during my first year of university before I started dating Connor, just like, you know, if I never get married, I'll just become Nana. Yeah. You know, I was like, and that sounded like a pretty darn good life to me, you know? So it wasn't like in our family, there was pressure to get married. It was more just that we all knew that it was a priority for us and my, and you guys, as my parents, We're just making it very clear that okay if you want to get if you want to do this here's
0: how you do it yeah and i think that's what parents aren't doing and i think there's two reasons for it um one of course is the parents who do lean more towards the i kiss dating goodbye which we've talked about ad nauseum on the blog and i don't want to dredge that up again except to say that uh even josh harris now disavows that um and believes that that it has caused a lot of people to remain single because they weren't out there dating and uh, But the other is this idea that when it's time, the right person will just come along. And I think that that is a faulty doctrine yeah. that we need to get rid of. Because, and it's rooted, it's rooted in this idea that God has everything planned out anyway. And so it doesn't really matter what we do, what God has planned will come to pass. So we don't have to put in very much effort. And then there's also this, this idea that, um, God will bless me if I do everything right. So as long as I love God and I'm following God, God is going to bless me, give me the desires of my heart, but it doesn't put any, um, onus on the person to actually get out there and meet someone. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these people that believes there's only one person in the world for me. Okay. I love my husband. Dearly. I love your father dearly. Mm -hmm. Um, I am so glad that I am married to him. But my grandfather was married three times. Okay? First one, 25 years. Second one, 17 years. Third one, 17 years. So almost the same amount of time for all three wives. He just kept having people die on him. Cancer was not good to him at all. So three wives die on him. And all three of them were so different, Mm -hmm. completely different women. And yet, he loved all of them and he had three wonderful marriages and I still remember um, before he passed away when he was 95 on his dining room um, buffet there were three pictures all of the same size of all three of his wives and he'd highlight them there and really really wonderful women I never knew my actual grandmother but I knew the other two (laughs) and you know he was really happy with them yeah um And I don't think that there is only one person that you can be happy with. I think that there are many and it is a choice that you make. Exactly. And Papa would not
1: have said that one of his wives was his soulmate and the other two were not. Right. They were just all his, they were, they were his wife, like they were each his wife at a different time. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: and he, and he loved them. And, and so this idea that God has one person out of however many billion people there are on the planet right now, seven, eight, I don't even know, you know, one person and one day you will meet them because God will bring them into your life. And parents will often say this to their kids, Mm -hmm. you know, like, we'll give you this message. God, you don't need to worry. God has someone special for you. Well... (laughs) I don't think that's the best marriage advice to give to your child if you want your child to get married.
1: Well, and the reality is nowhere in scripture does it say that we are entitled to a spouse.
0: No, it doesn't. Nowhere
1: in scripture. And the reality is, like, I got married super young, you know, I really did. I got married at 20, okay? And I had things work out pretty easily for me. And I have a great understanding and recognition of that. But at the same time, until I dated Connor, until we actually started going out, I was out of the house every single day of the week visiting different people with different Christian groups trying to find someone. Like, not, like, not too aggressively, but I was just like, no, like, I know I... Well, kind of aggressive. I was, I was, okay. I think the average person would have seen me as quite aggressive. I could have been much more aggressive. No, but I think that there was this, I had this definite mentality that I felt like I had this opportunity right now. When I was in university and there were all these really amazing single Christian guys around me. Where I was like, okay. Odds are one of these guys is probably going to work out pretty well with me. I just got to figure out which one. And then I mm-hmm. met Connor. And then we got married a year and a half later. You know, I, it was super, like, I had it pretty easy because I managed to meet the right one right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, if I had been focusing on stuff other than the Christian group on campus, I would not have necessarily met him because he didn't go to the large events. You know, mm-hmm. I met him because I was doing all the fringe stuff. And I met him because I was hanging out at his house with his roommates,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: and that is what I'm so grateful that I did is that I didn't just focus on doing the normal stuff. I went above and beyond because I was, (laughs) I had really internalized that message that I'm weird and I got to find someone who matches my level of weird and it's going to take a lot of work (laughs) because I'm really weird and that's an okay thing, but it just means that once I find the
0: person who's really weird, it's just going to (laughs) work. Right. But, but you did really work at having big friend groups and especially friend groups that included guys. I think that a lot of girls, young women especially, are concentrating so much on their female friendships and girl power and all of this stuff that they're not getting out there and meeting men. Um, And I know that there's... we're not, we haven't even touched on the whole failure to launch problem and how there are so many men who are in their twenties and who aren't serious and, and who are living in their parents' basement and won't get a job and how many women are far more educated than their male counterparts. And I I know that all of these things are issues and I, and I know it is a very, very, very multifaceted thing. Exactly. But I, but I do want to say that in the Christian world, there are fewer Christian guys than there are Christian women. And whether we like it or not, and this, again, I know this is a terrible thing to say, but whether we like it or not, there is a competition for Christian men. I don't know how to say it other than to say that. Like, I I, I, I don't, in, this is just a fact. <laughs> um, you know, there are fewer Christian men to go around. And I don't think that that means that we should all see other women as potential rivals. No. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but just as parents, don't make your kids think that dating is shallow or a bad thing, or that it should be way, way down on their priority list until everything is figured out. Exactly. Because you don't know when your child is going to meet someone who's going to be great. It may be when they're 18 and it may not be until they're 28 or even 38. But you don't know. (laughs) And the thing is, if your kid doesn't meet their person, you know, the the person who matches
1: their level of weird, not saying there's only one, you know, again, but just saying, (laughs) you know, if your kid doesn't meet someone who works with them until they are in their 30s, at least they can look back on their 20s. And in their single years and think, well, I've done everything I can with the opportunities presented. And so I just
0: have to trust that I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. That's right. And also, if she has been doing everything she can, then she's got a lot of friends. Exactly. (laughs) You've got a community. Because that's one of the greatest things that marriage brings,
1: right, is the lack of loneliness. And so if you're out there, you're making friends, you're socializing, even if you don't get married for a long time, you have a really amazing community built around you.
0: Yeah. Um, And so and so parents, you know, like I said, we've already given this message to, to younger people. And I just want to speak to the parents that are my age now who have kids that are that are growing up. And I know that we look all around and we see our kids potential mates and we think they're not good enough. And we're like, oh, honey, I want you to wait. And I want you to concentrate on your own life. And don't be worried about all these people around you. I just don't think that's a healthy message. I think a far better message to give them is, you know, you are worth a lot. And so look around for the people who match you. Mm -hmm. Because they are going to be there. They might be very, very few and far between. But look around. Exactly. And and keep your eyes open. You never know when someone's going to cross your path. And they're going to be great for you. And so just keep your eyes open and make yourself available.
1: Exactly. I mean, you always made it very clear that you did not want us to just settle for the first person who would marry us. You really didn't. But the big thing that you always told us was exactly that, is that you are different.
0: <laughs> you know <laughs>
1: and you don't know there aren't that many people who are as different as you are and that you used to say that to me you know there aren't that many yep. people who are going to match your kind of weird and so you got to be ready when they show up and you can't control if that happens when you're 19
0: or if you're 29 that's right so anyone so so parents just let's raise our kids and one other thing this is this one's really important if your child is shyer um and is just really not very good At getting into groups of people, if they're really introverted, then one of your jobs when they are teens and when they're still living at home is to help them become more confident in that. Because a lot of introverts, especially when they move away from home, they run the danger of spending way too much time. In their apartment and not enough time socializing. So you want to help your child know how to socialize and know how to talk to the opposite sex. So you know invite friends over to your house. Make your house the hangout place for teenagers. <laughs> um, you know have have family friends who have teenagers over even if it's got nothing to do with romance. Like even if this person would never be a romantic partner. Just getting used to getting to know other young people in groups is so important and they need to feel comfortable with that so get your kid in a good church situation even if your church doesn't have a good youth group that's when it's time to switch churches because teenagers matter you need to get your teens comfortable with other Christians and understanding the importance of having Christian peers and make sure that while they're living with you, you are teaching them how to be in a group because that's what's going to set them up well once they leave home Exactly. And I hope that it
1: does come across that we're not trying to say that it's wrong to have this path for life versus that one. It's wrong to not get married. It's only right to get married before the age of 19. (laughs) Nothing like that. It's more that we want to talk about the fact that so many people are set up for a more difficult journey without a lot of need to do Mm -hmm. so. And we just want to open the conversation to talk about how can parents make it easier for their kids to find a really great spouse Mm -hmm. and not discourage them in that process.
0: Yeah, because... It is difficult to find someone good, especially Christian, especially if you live in an area that isn't that Christian. And especially if you're weird like me. So don't discourage your kids from getting to know people. Help set them up so they can get to know people. And then when the right person comes along, whenever that may be, when <laughs> then they'll be ready to make that plunge.
1: our reader question segment this week. We're going to be combining them into one. So today it is me and Joanna again on the podcast tackling our millennial marriage segment. Hi, Joanna. Hi, Rebecca. And we're going to be tackling a reader question about communicating with college age and adult children. So here's the question. This woman writes in saying, I have two children, a teenager and a college-age daughter. My issue is my college-age daughter. She is confused by her major, but other than that, she is a responsible child and is doing well at school and was able to do a one-year study abroad program. The problem we have is our relationship. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but everything seems to tick her off. Everything I say, everything I do. She doesn't like talking about anything with me. Relationships, sex, feelings, religion, politics. Almost everything seems to be off limits. Even a repeat question was something I need an answer to. I'm open to discussing any topic. She would just walk away if she comes to take off, though. So basically, how can I communicate better with a child that doesn't want to communicate? So pretty much, since Joanne and I were both relatively stressed out college students at some point.
2: I don't think we were relatively stressed out. I think we were profoundly stressed out.
1: I think that's a very good way of putting it as well. So we thought that we'd try to give this one... A tackle because we think that we can probably offer a little bit of perspective into how the daughter may be feeling and maybe give parents some tips on how to talk even when it seems difficult.
2: Exactly. And I just think that it's really important to recognize what a colossal transition going to college is. I had a pastor who I was um, really appreciated when I was a college student at Ohio State. And he talked about the fact that freshmen in college or first years in university, whichever Canada versus the U.S. nomenclature, um, are some of the most lonely people on the planet. And it's Mm. a huge transition. You go from living with your parents, having your clothes and food provided for to living totally and completely on your own for the first time, especially in the States. In Canada, I've noticed more people do live at home when they go to university. But especially if this reader's daughter is living in a dorm far away from her family, it's a huge deal, and it's a lot to take on at once.
1: Well, exactly, and she did say that she did a study abroad program, right? So she has had like a year away from home, for sure, at least
2: one. Yeah, and navigating a new culture and you know, trying to take classes, and it's it's a lot. Exactly. I think the main thing that really stands out to me when I
1: read this question, though, is that this mom says that, you know, she's, she's really responsible. I mean, she doesn't know what she's doing with her major yet, but other than that, she's doing really well. And I'm just sitting there thinking, ah, Like if I were in school, if I didn't know what I was doing with my major, that would be so stressful. Like I remember friends who were sitting there and who were racking up, you know, you rack up student debt when you're in school a lot of the time thinking like, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And it's super, super stressful. And then you kind of get this feeling of guilt, like, Oh, my parents are helping me pay for this. Or, you know, they had so many hopes for me and I don't feel like I'm living up to that. And these feelings of just uncertainty and doubt and anxiety, anxiety about what's going to happen next and then talking to your parents can almost become an emotional burden because you're so worried that you're not doing life right and that you're not living life the way that they wanted you to live it that it's just terrifying to even have those conversations because you're so scared that they're going to find out that you're a failure
2: Mm -hmm. And it's important to recognize that a person who is in that state of mind is not in a healthy state of mind. Like that is not a place where people should be, but it is a place where some people are. And so it's great for us to recognize that. And and as the parent in the situation, this reader needs to accommodate where her child is, but then also attempt to meet her there. And then eventually as she repairs the relationship, hopefully have the ability to help her daughter through it. Um, And certainly right now she can definitely pray. So that's one very distinct step that she can take right now. But I would actually really recommend to this reader that you check out Brene Brown's work on Daring Greatly and Shame and Guilt and how those affect people. Connor, when we were talking about this question yesterday, pointed out that that's probably something that the daughter is is experiencing. And looking into that might give the mom um, new insight into what her daughter is, is going through. Exactly.
1: Because the reality is when you're in a stressful situation, you think things that are completely illogical and are completely not true. Like what I was saying earlier about feeling like you're a failure, feeling like your parents are going to be super disappointed with you if they find out that you don't have your life altogether. Or maybe, you know, in your newly found freedom, you've done things that you know that your parents think are wrong and those kinds of things. You can start getting into these really negative headspace. So even if your parent is doing everything right, it becomes stressful to talk to them. And that's not always the parent's fault. And I really want to emphasize that. When I was getting married, for instance, I was horrible to talk to. I was super stressed. Everything was the end of the world. And pretty much every conversation I had with my mom, one of us ended it angry or hurt. And there was nothing necessarily that my mom was doing wrong. I was just at the end of my rope and wasn't handling it well.
2: When I was in my undergrad, I called my mom in tears about an organic chemistry quiz that I had gotten a slightly worse grade on it than I had wanted to. And uh, I I totally overreacted. And it was a tough time, I think, for my mom to deal with this kid who was just totally stressed out and touchy and trying to work through where my faith was I was always a very uh, committed to the Lord but um, kind of struggled with how that would play itself out in my life and where I landed theologically on a variety of issues and so it was a lot I think for for her to navigate and I'm grateful that she was always a really great support to me but You know, I I think that recognizing that college students are, they are grownups and so you have to treat them like adults, but they also, they're still kids in lots and lots of ways and allowing your child to grow up is super important and pushing them toward full-fledged adulthood is incredibly imperative, but there's also things that you just need to chuck up to the fact that they don't have the experience or wisdom that you've gained in your life. Simultaneously, lots of times young people have a clarity that as we get older, you know, we get stuck in our ways. And so maybe your daughter is seeing things that you're not willing to see. And you can learn from her as well. So it's not about going, oh, I'm so much better than so and so. But having um, compassion and also seeking to learn from another person is so important.
1: Exactly. I kind of like to talk about those first couple of years in university when you're, you know, in your 18, 19, 20, 21, kind of there, you're like a baby adult, you know, like you're a grown up, yes, but you're really bad at being a grown up. <laughs> and it takes a long time to kind of get into that adjustment period. But that doesn't mean that we can't hold kids to high standards. And that doesn't mean that we can let them get away with all this kind of stuff. But it does mean kind of maybe offering a bit more grace than we would our 35 year old sister or something who's you know, kind of solidly been an adult for a while. When I'm looking at this, this letter too, something that strikes me is the example she gives of things that she doesn't want to talk about. Like my daughter does not want to talk about anything, religion, sex, politics. I'm like, well, Maybe those are kind of high tension, hot button topics to be trying to connect over, <laughs> you know, like yep. if your kid's in school and if your kid is growing up and kind of finding her own way, maybe this is the time to just have a relationship that kind of consists of a lot of lighthearted conversations for like the most part. We talk about this a lot in marriage advice on the blog where you need to look at the tension level in your marriage, right? So if the tension level in your marriage is really high, you got to kind of spend some time just being goofy and silly in order to bring that tension level down. But often what happens is our tension level is high. And so what we think we need to do is go in guns blazing, tackle the issue head on, have these hard conversations every single night until we've worked it out. But sometimes the most healing thing as not as the most helpful thing can just be to get used to just being silly together again, Mm -hmm. to get used to just having fun. Like just if you're having a really hard time with marriage, like go bowling or something, or have a pizza night and just watch a silly movie that you both like, or just, you know, laugh about silly videos of, you know, raccoons on YouTube, you know, like those kinds of silly things can actually be a really helpful and healing part to a relationship that's struggling to connect. Because it takes the tension level down. And so if you're a parent who's really struggling to connect with a teen who just seems angry all the time or who seems like you're doing everything wrong, first of all, I would say you're probably just their safe place. And so that's probably why they're lashing out at you, because they can't lash out their professor, they can't lash out their roommate, they can't lash out their new boyfriend or you know, like they can't there's all these other people who they can't trust as much to not leave them. So unfortunately, as the parent, you usually get the rough end of that deal Mm -hmm. but at least it can be a little bit soothing to know that you're not necessarily doing a lot wrong it's just that you happen to be the person that they trust the most which means that you happen to be the person they can blow up at the most but the way to help that tension level in your relationship go down isn't necessarily to always talk about the main issue but maybe just send her Send your kid some silly thing you saw that could make them laugh or, you know, laugh about this funny thing that a mutual acquaintance or friend did that, um, you know, the two of you can bond over. Keeping the tension level down can make you become not just their safe place to lash out at, but also kind of their safe place to retreat to when life gets really stressful, because they know if they talk to you, they don't necessarily have to talk about school, or religion, or politics, or their relationship. Sometimes they can just talk about that really funny raccoon video of the raccoon going down the kid's slide, you know, and it doesn't always need to be these huge conversations. And that doesn't always feel natural to us because if we're stressed and if we're worried and if we see this person we love so much doing something that really hurts us or is really just frustrating, we're worried, is this ever going to get better? We want to try to fix it. But sometimes the best thing you can do is just give space and just offer a lot of that fun and silliness and the the low pressure conversations.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Rebecca. And I just want to share an experience that my husband and I recently had. So we've had a tough couple of months. Um, we lost a baby um, to miscarriage at the end of the first trimester. And when I miscarried, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of blood loss and nearly, or not, not quite nearly died, but like close to nearly died. So it was pretty intense. And it was a lot for my husband to essentially watch his wife bleed out um, in our powder room. And, and it was very tra- a very traumatic experience for both of us we had lots of family come up afterward and as we were healing both physically and emotionally and we were so grateful for that. And we dropped Josiah's mom off at the airport and we had a night in a hotel together. And I had printed off stuff that Sheila had just put together this like visioning worksheet and I was all excited about having this date night where we were going to talk and instead we just got shawarma. <laughs> from a place in Mississauga, Ontario. And then we ended up laying in the bed in our hotel as our baby slept in the bathroom and watched uh, like five hours of Island of Brian on HGTV, which is a show about renovating a rundown um, beachfront hotel. It was so funny. We laughed and laughed and we connected with each other in a way that we hadn't been able to in the midst of our grief and all of the hard things that were happening. And it was so profoundly wonderful to just have that time with my husband. And I think that we forget the importance of just being together and having fun Um, and just the importance of having shared things that you can talk about. Um, Rebecca, you and I are both way too into Survivor, the TV show. And uh, we have so much fun <laughs> texting each other after the episodes come out. And if you can find something like that to connect with with your kid, be it a TV show, a sports team, a pop singer, like I, it doesn't really matter what it is, but just something that you guys can talk about and laugh about and be invested in that isn't so high stress, that is really, really helpful for your relationship.
1: Completely. I completely agree. And the other thing too to remember is that A lot of times these early adult years, if you're having a hard time connecting with your kid, a lot of times in six months, Mm -hmm. they've completely changed anyway, like in a a good way. Like if you're having a hard time connecting, having a hard time talking to them, if they feel like they're always on edge, sometimes you just got to back off, keep it lighthearted. And even if that doesn't work, just give it time. Because you know what happens is they do grow up. And they get out of that stressful stage. And if it goes on for a really long time and it's getting really concerning, you can talk about, you know, offering to pay for, you know, going to see a counselor or a therapist if they're having severe anger management or stress and anxiety issues. You can totally also broach that subject when it becomes appropriate.
2: Yeah. And it's also really important that most universities actually offer uh, free counseling to their students as part of their tuition. So your child, if they're in university, can almost certainly get counseling for free from the student health services.
1: Yeah. And a really good way to approach that, by the way, as someone who um, did have a parent help me get counseling while I was in university, is just to message the kids saying like, hey, I love you so much. I know college is stressful. And so just wanted to let you know that if you have a really hard day or a hard week, you can go here and you'll have someone to talk to about it. I wish I had had something out like university or just do something. So it's, it's not necessarily a, hey, so you've been horrible to be around for the last couple months. <laughs> That's not usually a good way to start the conversation, but just kind of saying, hey, if you have a hard week, just wanted to let you know there is this available and you're paying for it anyway. So why not use it? Um,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I also think it's really nice to have a deadline in your mind. So say, okay, I'm going to dial back the intense conversations that we don't need to talk about politics. We don't need to talk about where your faith is. And I'm going to give myself three months or two weeks or whatever the time period that you deem necessary. And just keep it lighthearted. Let the child lead the conversation. If they lead it somewhere deeper, great. You can be praying, kind of bring back that tension, but give yourself, know that you're doing something that's important. Know that you have a deadline that you're, you know, you're working toward. And then if that deadline passes, then you're going to do this thing. Or then you're going to reevaluate and try another tactic. And knowing what you're, you're going to do, having a plan, makes dialing things back feel a lot more manageable.
1: Exactly. Because we're not saying that you shouldn't try to communicate with your kid. That's not what we're saying at all. You should definitely be talking to your kids. You should be definitely be there, be open, be emotionally available for them, but it just doesn't always need to look the way that we think it needs to look. And that's what we're trying to say here is being your kid's emotional support doesn't necessarily mean forcing the hard conversations on them. Sometimes it means talking about Survivor for three hours after it's aired or something like that. Sometimes it can just be silly and that's also really, really meaningful and can really strengthen your relationship.
2: Absolutely, and I'm one of four kids. We all call our parents, obviously we're we're a close group. So, and there's there's a wide range of how often we call our parents. I call my mom pretty much every day and I have siblings who call maybe twice a month, maybe once a week. And it's not an indictment of any of us. It's a personality thing. My siblings who don't call my mom as often are incredibly extroverted and are incredibly busy being extroverted and having people over to their house and being super involved in their church. And my parents totally accept that and are grateful for the kids who they've been given. And my parents have never put pressure on me or my siblings to be like each other. And I just want to caution parents who have expectations for how often their kids will call. That's awesome. And I certainly hope that my daughter will be like me and will call me every day when she's big. But you know, if she doesn't and if she's doing well and has good friends and is busy, I also hope that I won't put pressure on her to be exactly like I am. I hope that we have a really close relationship even if we're not talking every three hours which when I was in college was how often I was calling my mother. (laughs) Um, But it's okay for our kids to be different. And it's okay for our kids to be different from each other and to be different from us.
1: Exactly. So I hope that we can encourage you if you are a parent who's struggling with a college-age kid who just doesn't seem to want to talk that There are things you can do to strengthen the relationship. You don't need to give up on talking to your kid. Your kid may very well just be in a period right now of a lot of stress where talking is really difficult, and you can do things to help that stress level in your relationship go down. So I hope that this helped you. For sure, check out the links in the podcast post, which will be linked in the description for this episode. And also let us know on that post, if you have ever had communication issues with the kid and like sorted them out, or if you were the kid who had the communication issues and what your parents did to make it better, because I'm sure lots of people would love to know just what exactly worked for you.